Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. I think we're going to have a delightful conversation. Tonight's topic, Spark Change, 108 Questions for Spiritual Evolution. And our guest tonight is the author, Denny Lee. We're going to bring her on in just a minute. How timely, Spark Change. Spark Change. How can you describe 2020 without using the word change? It's almost like uh, we've all all collectively got on the dunk tank um, exhibit at the county fair, and and Karma's been throwing hardballs at the release pen, and and we've collectively uh, uh, got dunked in the change tank, if you will. For so many of us, our sense of, quote, reality, unquote, kind of got turned on its head. And I hope that you all are doing well and holding up in this um, immense time of change, really. And I know everyone handles these kind of things in their own particular way, but... Take a deep breath, inhale and exhale. You are here now, so congratulations on making it this far. Um, I think if I stare at the tea leaves long enough, I think we're we're really poised for some some very deep change in our in our collective story, in our collective narrative, if you will, and. In order for us to really embody, really um, anchor, if you will, a much better narrative, a much better story, if you will, for humanity on this planet, well, change was really needed. We weren't, I don't think we were anywhere close to headed in the right direction as far as our trajectory as far as the which way our momentum was carrying us. And I feel, I mean, just just observing humanity, like, for example, by my house is a, a beautiful little lake that you can walk around. And I've been walking around this lake for years. And... You know, many years ago, it was mothers in strollers and people jogging and and maybe a, an elderly couple taking a stroll. And then this year, every everything changed. It's like the the business guy's taking his lunch at the park, and and there's people that you never would have seen at the park just a little while ago, if you if you will the the dynamics of the people that are taking time out that are stepping out of their their narrative and going out into nature to to really seek uh, perhaps a more organic connection at some point during their day I've witnessed 
that that dynamic change and i and i don't think it's just here in colorado i think it's all over the world i've noticed in public people don't for uh, for the first several months of the pandemic i didn't notice people staring at their phones that much they kind of put their phones away and and they paid attention to their environment i don't care if it's based on fear or whatever but they they changed where they were putting their attention and change change can i mean um, sometimes change is forced upon us and sometimes it's chosen and i think what's so nice about tonight's episode is when we consciously choose the change when we decide for ourselves to change and we get intentional with it i think i suggest that can be some of the most powerful change sometimes it happens when we hit rock bottom sometimes it happens when we we want to know more we want to we want to understand better if you will so that's why I'm, I'm delighted for our topic tonight. Again, the topic tonight is Spark Change, 108 Questions for Spiritual Evolution. And our guest tonight is the author, Jenny Lee. Resilience has become one of the most critical emotional responses of our time. Although some may understand how to strengthen this emotional response in the short term, there's not been much explanation on how to build psychological resilience from the deepest reaches of our spiritual consciousness. In the book, Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution, Jenny Lee provides the tools to strengthen our psychological resilience. Boy, howdy, would, is that a nice thing to have on the table during these crazy times. To strengthen our psychological resilience through the process of conscious, introspective questioning. Through her prompts, she empowers us to deepen our soul awareness and ignite powerful change within. For the last two decades in her yoga therapy practice, Jenny has counseled people seeking greater self-awareness as they navigate experiences such as depression, grief, and stress. I'm sure all of those are on the rise. Jenny brings her practice home to readers everywhere. Join me in welcoming Jenny to the show. Jenny, welcome to the show. It's glad, I'm glad to have you back on. Hi, Les. It's so great to be with you again. I'm really glad to be here chatting about this topic that's so pertinent in, in the times that we're living in. Yeah, it's almost like you saw this coming, to write a book called Spark Change and have it in the queue during the 2020 world of change or a whirlwind of change um kudos to you for uh for hitting the mark um 
what what made you choose this topic in such a timely way? You know, it's so interesting how things uh, occur, right? I'm a firm believer in divine timing. Um, And I began the process of this book about two and a half years ago. And so by the between when I came up with the idea and then we got to contract and all the way through publication and now we're finally at launch in just a couple of weeks, it comes out on September 8th. Um, it's been two and a half years and it's just astounding to me that the state of the world is what it is at this moment and that the book was titled as it is. Uh, my working title was The 108 Provocative Questions for spiritual evolution and um, that ended up becoming the subtitle and um, so you know it's I began the process of writing this book and I was really interested in writing on this topic because for so many years in my coaching practice um, I've, I've walked with people through various changes you know many people come into counseling at a, when they're going through personal transitions uh, maybe they've lost a job or they have um, experienced a death in their family or they're going through a health crisis or some other, you know, time of change which has come to them. And so they're seeking the tools and strategies to to, to deal with that and um, <clears throat> find peace and balance again inside. And so much of what I, I do has been focused on on helping people navigate change. So the questions and the the different themes that I offer in the book are are very much drawn upon the the very universal uh, things that people encounter in any form of change that they might be going through, um, whether that's self-elected change, you know, the change of a career, let's say, or something that has come to them in in crisis and they're having to respond um, into the change, but. Uh, I, the, the the themes that are outlined in the book are very applicable regardless of the aspect of transition that somebody's going through. Well, I, I really like the book. It's uh, it, it's very elegant, very um, very well written. I um, so when a client comes to you and they present something that they want to change that they want to change about their life and then when you dig into it and you start to unravel it if you will a lot of times um, the the desire for change is going to end up pointing us to something we're not aware of within ourselves for example if a client comes and says, you know, I really suck at my relationships, and they think um, the problem is um, how they interact with their spouse, but but the deeper what I'm what I'm getting at is sometimes when we go to look for change, there's a there's a deeper reason than the initial first few steps we take towards change. How do you uh, how do you look at this process of questioning with your 108 provocative questions as a way to to take us deeper within ourselves? 
Well, that's exactly it, Les. Um, You know, so often people will be unhappy with some aspect of their life. And so they'll come in looking for counsel. But it's, and the way I always start is with a series of questions. So I gather information from them because what I find is that oftentimes whatever it is that they're unsatisfied with is not actually the core issue. So the process of asking, you know, Good questions, good in the sense that they draw from that person um, a deeper uh, reflection on what's going on. Um, then it's often the first step towards the, the finding the solution in the, because we've actually gotten to the root cause of the unhappiness or the dissatisfaction. And... Um, one of the things that you mentioned in the introduction I, I think is, is pertinent to this point, which is that, you know, we, we often feel pretty powerless uh, when change is afoot. And I think the current world situation is a great example of that. You know, so much change has kind of been forced upon us. And we, I know I have felt powerless in a lot of ways recently. And so I've really been looking at, well, in that state of feeling powerless and sort of incapable of doing certain things that I, I want or feel like I need to do, what is the proactive sort of change that I can undertake in order to shift out of that state of feeling powerless and into a more empowered state of being? Um, and as you said, so often people don't change something until they have to. They hit rock bottom or some, they, some loss occurs. And I think right. that one of the first things that we, we really want to do is just change our relationship to change in the sense that we want to look at it as a natural part of life and something that we really are meant to engage with every day. And if we do so with this conscious intention um, and proactivity, then it becomes a very different experience. When I sit and think about what this book does, I mean, to to develop a sense of, um, I don't know if critical thinking is the right term, but um, perhaps astute awareness, astute awareness of what our choices have been, astute awareness of our beliefs, astute awareness of kind of our personal status quo. This book seems to be a rototiller for um uh, digging up our complacency, if you will. It's for myself on my spiritual path. I was raised um, in a in a very staunch uh, religious household where every single question already had the answer. Just read the answer and quit asking questions. And I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that at all. It's like, don't tell me the the flipping stove's hot. I wanna, I wanna stick my hand on it and know why. I don't wanna, I don't wanna just follow this narrative that somebody else has coughed up. 
I want to know why. And I think I got um, anchored in the asking questions about what's going on at a very, very early age. And what I really like about your book is you've, you've taken the kind of the traditional stigmas of our, of our human demeanor and you've come up with questions to bring that, that critical eye, if you will, that critical look, if you will, at our own choices that we may or may not even be aware of. Um, what what makes you decide the the genres, if you will, that these questions are arranged in? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting that you speak about your childhood because children are all naturally inquisitive. It is part of our human nature to be inquisitive. Humans have forever been curious and asked questions and wanted to know why certain things are the way they are and they've wanted to explore their environment. I mean, we wouldn't have all the amazing innovations in science and technology in every industry um, if people weren't asking questions. It's a fundamental uh, aspect of human nature. And it's really unfortunate that many children um, have that kind of squelched out because parents, I think, are just, you know, uncomfortable. They, I think they feel like they maybe should have all the answers. And maybe if they don't, then they don't want the children asking questions that they can't answer. So they sort of rein it in and, and keep it um, within the realm of what they feel like they can answer. But really, there's no shame in not knowing an answer to something. Uh, I think we've often heard, you know, in an interview situation uh, for a job, let's say, and your the person asks you, well, what would you do in this circumstance? Well, if you don't know the answer, one of the greatest um, responses is, I don't know, but I, I would like to find out or I would like to do a little research on that and get back to you with my answer. So there's, it puts the person into that state of inquisitiveness. And, um, you know, if we can make friends with not knowing, you asked about uh, some of the themes that I, I orient the book around. And one of my favorite chapters <laughs> in a book of questions and the exploration of their answers is the chapter on not knowing. So, um, and I don't know if I actually can't remember if the chapter is called knowing or not knowing, but to me it sticks in my mind as not knowing because it's, it really approaches that topic of right. <laughs> we don't always know and it's okay not to know. And that's actually a very beautiful place to sit is in that state of not knowing because it's such an open of receptivity in which we can start to tap a deeper wisdom, that wisdom of the soul, um, that higher kind of intuitive wisdom that's beyond intellectual knowledge. And when that, it, that doesn't yell, it's, it's that still small voice that's spoken of in the Bible. Like that voice is very quiet and it really waits to speak to us until the analytical mind gets quiet. And so the analytical mind loves to know. It's, you know, very proud of its information and its knowing. 
but we need to be able to step also into that state of quiet not knowing in order to find a lot of deeper wisdom, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Well, my I like to say my unknowing mind knows much more than my knowing mind. And, <laughs> I love that. And so I hold everything that I know with a feather so it can be replaced with a more authentic understanding. The Western mind, in its sense of, well, I know best, is the biggest train wreck in karmic history, I would say. (laughs) So um, I'm holding your book as we speak. I'm going to just rattle off some of the, the chapter topics. There's a topic of values, beliefs, willingness, lessons, accountability, acceptance, inspiration, knowing, chapter 9, love, purpose. You know, the it's so often we can kind of get in this um, day in and day out momentum. Say, say for example, um, newlyweds. They've been they're adults now. They're out living their life. They meet somebody they really like, and they get married. And when you marry somebody, you marry their values. You marry their beliefs. You marry their willingness. I mean, these topics are so well chosen from my perspective like like the notion of values if if i was raised on the farm maybe the values that were um rewarded was you know a, a strong work ethic and diligence and if i lived grew up in the city maybe the values were um social etiquette or um something completely different and when we when we have struggles with our relationships i think this book would be a a nice way to take a step back and look at um the differences whether it's with a relationship with a a, a spouse or a, a personal relationship or even with the ethics of a company we're working for, or even in this political arena, um, a candidate for office. Uh, for example, the the values um, chapter. How do you see um, values as a, a critical perspective when we go to spark change within ourselves? Mm-hmm. So the values um, chapter is also one of my favorites because it's so fundamental. Knowing our core values is so fundamental to navigating life in general, but certainly any times, critical times of change. And you mentioned, um, you know, politics and the election, and not that we want to go there, but um, we do need to know Uh, what our values are in order to know who we want to vote for. And, and you mentioned relationships. And certainly I think a lot of people get into relationships because of 
attraction or maybe some common interests, but they don't look at the deeper value systems in place until years later when they start to come into conflict. And so values to me are like uh, signposts. There there are directionals throughout life. They're the ones that keep us moving in the direction that we really want to go, that that is for our highest and best and with our greatest intention. And if we don't really know those, if we haven't spent time um, assessing them and, as you said, getting a real authentic understanding of what those are, then we're kind of lost we're really rudderless in the ship of life and just can be swayed by whatever might be the popular thing at the moment and then we're over there and then you know the next year we're somewhere else because we don't have that kind of true sense of inner our inner compass on true north through our values right well I like the chapter on willingness because to stop and take a look at your willingness to spark change in your own life, it's so many people have uh, an easy tendency to to piss and moan about what's wrong with everything, and and pretty much just focus on. What I what I like to consider as the wake of of what's happening is like standing in the back of a boat looking at the wakes and going see see that big wake that's when I got divorced and that was so terrible and look at that wake that's the and the willingness to recognize that perhaps you're not happy with some aspect of your life willingness is that can be a tough one because our egos want to stay in a pattern that's known. Our egos want to make sure it knows what the outcome is going to be. And to break that kind of um, addiction, if you will, with more of the same, preferring more of the same, preferring things don't change, um, what would you what would you say to the notion of um, the value of amping up your willingness to take a deeper look? Well, it's so essential because we, every, as you said, lots of people like to piss and moan about things. Everybody is really great at identifying the problems. Um, often that comes with a pointed finger at somebody else. <laughs> or some other group or some other political party or whatever, but, you know, it's all about focus on the problem. Um, You were calling it the wake of the boat and maybe what has been in the past the problem, but as long as we're focused on the problem, we're really not going to go anywhere. It only helps to assess the problem long enough to get a clear picture of it. And then we've got to move into solution mode. And that's, that's the shift into willingness is, the willingness to actually do something about the problem because just sitting and talking about the problem is not going to change it. Um, it's actually just going to dig us in deeper to the, those, those patterns like you were saying where of co- kind of complacency where we just 
are in a rut and it's it's easier to default to what is known rather than to branch out into something new. And so there is, you know, inherent in a conversation around change is that we, we do have to be willing to take some risk and to uh, move out of the known kind of situation. And, but it's, you know, it's a really strange thing about human beings. Sometimes, oftentimes, people would rather stay in a difficult and an unhealthy circumstance that's known rather than make do the work to move towards something new which could be far more healthy and fulfilling but that bridge of what I'm calling willingness is the is really the work of taking the the um the steps towards change and the consequences of what sometimes those steps take. I mean, sometimes, for instance, we let's say we identify that um, a, a relationship, a friendship is not really very healthy for us. Uh, maybe we do some assessment of our values and we recognize that this person that we're hanging out with just really shares different values. Well, then we've got to determine, okay, I... I probably don't want to continue spending a lot of time with this individual. I'm going to have to have a difficult conversation maybe, or I'm going to have to say no to certain events that we might be going to together. And there is that transitional time where you're kind of extricating yourself from that relationship and then maybe you don't have things to do. And so there's sort of this void and we have to be willing to go through that transition um, and all that it entails. That's also speaking to the chapter a little bit on accountability that within every choice and every change and every action that we take, we, we have to hold accountability for what the consequences of that are. And I mean, that's just growing up, right? Becoming a mature human. And unfortunately, you know, it's a few hard knocks along the way, but that's okay because <laughs> ultimately if we keep going, we, we are going to get to a life that is much more aligned with who we truly are and we're going to feel a lot happier. So there is great benefit to this process. I don't want to make it sound like it's all work. It's it's actually there's great benefit to it. Well, indeed. And you were talking about accountability. It's um, – it takes some resolve to break the habit of pointing at other people or other situations and saying, that's what's wrong. Look over there. That's what's wrong. Look what those people are doing. That's what's wrong. And when we talk about personal growth, it's always an inside job. The only person you can point at is who you're looking at in the mirror. So I really like the the notion of accountability because how can we consider ourselves truly, genuinely empowered? There's there's kind of a a, a teeter-totter mentality of, of growth or spiritual growth or any kind of growth in the notion that uh, with the teeter-totter on one side, it's we're, we're, this is where we first wake up in our life, this is where we point and blame, and we don't own anything. And and as we 
take more accountability and we we wake up and and start to refine what we prefer and get clear about ourselves we're tipping the scale if you will to the other way and what my point is is the human persona every single one of us listening to the show period is an immense amount of potential I don't think our mythology really educates us very well about what a single human individual is capable of. So often we'll showcase those types of personalities in our past, and we call them heroes or saviors or whatever. And in truth, we all have so much potential that really goes unchecked and, and what I really like about your book is it's it's such a wholesale review uh, through simple questioning that um, brings us the opportunity to discover a deeper truth about ourselves how do, how do you see um, the to- the topics in this book um, showing up in your own life the, uh, as you've as you've gone through the process of not only writing this book but the other books that you've written, how do you how would you describe the changes in your own personal life from the from this effect? So every all three of my books um, have been written very much from my own internal process. And uh, just my continuous study of uh, whether it's yoga philosophy or meditation or self-inquiry, like this book is about. Um, it's I'm a I'm a student. I'm I'm somebody who is constantly looking inward and reading and journaling and trying to understand myself deeper and other people deeper and the whole human condition. Um, so, you know, every single one of these questions are a question that I've worked through myself. Um, they're questions that I've worked through with clients. Um, they're themes that I have lived and breathed for decades and just really tried to embody. I, I'm not somebody who is interested in writing theory. I'm interested in writing very practical, tangible, um, experiential material. So I, I write from what I've grown through personally. And um, that's what I, I hope and have been reflected by my readers that they they take away from these books is it's really practical kind of information that they they don't just read and sort of walk away from and go, oh, that was nice book but they actually sit with questions all of my books have had questions um i think you and i spoke last about breathing love meditation in action and um that book has at the end of every chapter you know questions for reflection and um, so did true yoga and so this has been something that's been very near and dear to my heart all through my my writing career and um and in my coaching career. So questions and that that process of looking inward and kind of asking beyond the 
the obvious, <laughs> I think, is so important. And, you know, speaking about relationships, too, I just want to say that this book is also something that can be used interactively with with someone else, with a spouse or a friend, or maybe even in a work situation, certain um, parts of it would uh, be applicable to deepen relationship, to be able to put, pose a question between two people and share your answers. Because one of the things that I really notice in the world today is that people don't know how or aren't in the habit of asking so many questions of one another as they used to be. Um, growing up, I was, I was taught to ask questions of people. So of, if I was in someone's home for dinner, let's say, to inquire about their life or you know, how they, where they got this recipe for the delicious dinner that I was eating or whatever, but just to, to make inquiry about them. And so questions are very foundational to our, our relational status as well. And if we lose the ability to ask one another questions and to really listen to each other's answers, we're, we're really going to experience more and more disconnect. And I know I think there's enough disconnect in the world between humans, and I want to see more connectivity. I want to see people really engaging with one another. So I, hope so I hope people use this not only for their own inner process of inquiry, but also with one another. Well, if you're going to take it there, um, most of the context I've been talking of is personal change. And what you've just shared is um, this book being a, a, a template for conversation about um, what we would talk about with others. I like, I really like the notion of that, but I would take it even perhaps farther and say the collective consciousness of humanity is going through an immense amount of change right now. And the notion of normal pretty much got tossed out the window. And the the waves of the tempest are perhaps the most pronounced right now in this chapter of our of our human story but where we come out of this storm as a society as a as a country no matter what country you're listening to this whatever your country is facing as far as um ideas and and change within their own dynamic, I suggest this book is a good book for us to evaluate what we would prefer to happen in our in our human culture. Because if we don't give attention, if we don't ask the right questions about what is it about our past that had us um, perhaps so clueless or in the dark that we can go through this immense amount of change and not really anchor the, the solid value that a deep intro, introspection can can give us. Um, have you thought about this book as um, 
being more than just a personal book, I mean, you could you could couch this in several different ways from my perspective. Absolutely. In fact, you know, just reiterating the subtitle, the, the, these 108 questions are for spiritual evolution. And it isn't until we shift our individual consciousness and the collective consciousness to the recognition that we are all spiritual beings and we're united as such that we're going to see a real effective change on this planet. So that has to happen within each individual. But, of course, we're all a part of the collective. So it's both for sure, and this is an opportunity to reevaluate, as you said, what what we want to see our human culture be on the planet right now. Um, it's critical that we do this, and we can't do it for anyone else, right? I can't do it for you. You can't do it for the next person. We each have to do it within ourselves, and as each one takes on that that inner challenge, then the collective consciousness shifts. So it is both an, a look at our personal experience of life, but it's also a look at how do we want to create the human culture of which we are all a part. So absolutely. Yes. Thank you for, thank you for saying that Les. Well, it's, I, I mean, I'm, I think you've done a, a beautiful thing here. I mean, so the the pandemic that has brought itself to our ex, collective experience has so many people working from home now, and they're sitting at home, and there's no community uh, um, cafeteria that they can go and have these casual, spontaneous chats with other people. Um, I think this book is extremely timely, and I very much recommend um, to the listeners that if if you find your your life going in a new direction, and who who doesn't in these most curious times, that um, this is a very comprehensive self-reflection tool, if you will, and I I suggest the like I was saying, the human persona, every single one of us is this multidimensional being, if you will, shoehorned into a physical body. And the questions that you ask in this book are excellent um, tools to help our ego, if you will, um, get a glimpse of that that deeper sense of who each one of us is. What kind Thank of you. changes? And, uh, what kind of changes do you think um, this book is going to bring about in people? Oh gosh, that's a great question, and I I just hope that it brings people into a greater understanding of their spiritual nature. I hope that they take the time to pause in you know in this crazy ever shifting world that we're we're living in and they take some time to to you know li- read these questions and think about them and do a little writing on them maybe or or maybe find a buddy and do, and go through some of the book together 
um, you mentioned that, that we don't have the cafeterias and such to have the casual conversations, but people are so connected on technology. This book actually is, is like the perfect book for a book club, even the most casual. You just grab a couple friends, and it's, it's a ready-made book club in your hands because it has all the questions right there, and you can just kind of open it up randomly and then have a discussion about it. So, And I've actually created a, a free guide for um, people who are interested in potentially using it as a book club. Uh, so I'll, I'll make sure you have the link for that. It's on my website, and we'll talk about that. But... Um, yeah, I just think there's there's so much opportunity for people not only to come into a greater understanding of their deeper self, but to really align their lives as they want them to be right now. And this is the, the critical juncture that we're at where we can't just blindly go along as it's been. We've got to be more intentional um, about creating a life individually and collectively with the highest values in mind. Nice. I like that. Very well said. Well, change can be a bitch. I mean, <laughs> um, how do you, um, what would you say to people who are looking to to buy your book as far as what kind of an attitude, what kind of a, a preparation could they have in their own psyche? To, I mean, certainly a sense of open-mindedness, but to to really harvest the value of these 108 provocative questions, what kind of mindset or or tips would you give your um, soon-to-be readers about how to approach this book? I think the most important thing is to approach it with great curiosity. So, um, again, kind of going back to that not knowing chapter, or actually I guess it is knowing, but um, the concept of not knowing, that we don't have to have all the answers. So 108 questions might sound a little daunting at first, but you don't have to have all the answers. That's not the point of this book. The point is just to engage with curiosity at a deeper level with your inner self. So coming into it with um, with an open mind, an open heart, great curiosity, and a lot of um, kindness for yourself and compassion as you go through the process, knowing that, there, A, there are no right answers to any of these. There, there's just your answers. And that, that sense of, well, I might have thought X, Y, Z up until today, but now that I'm thinking about it a little deeper, I kind of think I feel ABC now. And that change is a good thing. And, you know, if we can embrace it as such and just be willing to be in the flow of the change that's occurring right now, we can come out of this both individually and collectively in a really positive way and that it truly is an opportunity to, um, to realign at a, at a greater and higher level. I like that. The past of our uh, of our mythology is is kind of anchored in these uh, institutional um, mindsets where um, there's the government and we're citizens. There's you know academics and students. There's uh, religions and and parishioners. The 
what came to me as we were having this conversation is the notion of a citizen. If we look at our role as a citizen, if you will, as it relates to the collective, I think in the past, like um, perhaps in the 50s, it's like um, dad goes to work, mom cleans the house, and, and the kids play in the yard, and it's kind of this um, um, cookie-cutter template of the role of the citizen. And the notion that I got was the the changes that we're going through now are, are so deep in each of our individual psyches that to even look at the role of ourselves as a, as a citizen, you know, I think it would serve us well to take these 108 provocative questions and, and apply them to the archetype of what it means to be a citizen because if we just go back to trusting institutions, trusting um, the integrity or lack of integrity of some of these um, core aspects of our society, we're not going to get that much traction as far as a deep, uh, a lasting deep healing, a lasting deep transformation that really serves humanity better. How do you see um, the material in this book as it would reflect on the role of us being citizens? Well, I think about it from um, uh, the standpoint that my spiritual teacher, Paramahansa Yogananda, speaks of um, being really a world citizen and a world family. And uh, I think we have seen the damage done by uh, the paradigm of seeing differences and boundaries and borders and all manner of power over the other. And the time for a change of the consciousness, the general consciousness, is is here. (laughs) It's here. And we really, it's, I think we're really being called into um, considering ourselves not just citizens of one country, but being citizens of the entire world and stewards of the world on which we live and that we share and the environment that we are dependent upon. And so, you know, chapter, like the chapter on values or the chapter on accountability, the, these inquiries into how we walk in the world and what responsibility we take for how we walk in the world are of critical importance right now. Um, So, yeah, I think it applies on that level as well, certainly. So 108 provocative questions for spiritual evolution. How would you... What would you say are some of the core attributes that are behind the spiritual evolution of humanity during this, this, these times of uh, deep change? I'm not sure I totally understand the question, Les. What do you mean core attributes? Well, I mean, we can do superficial changes. Um, um, what side of the road we drive on, and and um, and that doesn't really impact us. 
I mean, it doesn't matter uh, one okay. country can pick one thing or one another can, country can pick another. But um, say, for example, um, the role of the citizen, the role of us individually as it comes to our relationship, as it comes to our jobs, as it comes to our politics and government, what, okay, what would you say are the most pronounced changes that we're going to see in our in our human demeanor as we go through these challenging times? Well, I can tell you what I hope is the greatest change. I mean, I'm not a predictor of the future, but I would hope that what we've experienced with this pandemic is um, an equalizing, if you will, of of humanity in the standpoint that regardless of our socioeconomic status, regardless of race, regardless of political party, all of that, everyone has been affected by this experience. And I would hope that that would be one step in the direction of us recognizing that we really are not different from one another. And until we can see one another as the same and not other. And we can recognize that the the person standing across from me, their feelings and their needs and their um, well-being is equally as important as mine or yours or anyone else's, that we all are equally valid and important on this planet. That's the change that I really hope will come from this. And when that happens, we will see a profoundly different world in place. <laughs> I mean, I just can't right. even imagine. I pray for that every day, right? <laughs> that we sure. can stop seeing our differences and start seeing our our common and shared humanity. Well, I like that. Well, and I would I would add to that um, our own accountability. I mean, if we're incongruent with ourselves, if we're not. Um, accountable to ourselves, and yet we're trying to hold the collective accountable. There's some incongruency there. Well, you know, um, I just want to say again, what a what a delightful book. A very um, elegant um, format. It's it's very um, it's very easy to pick up and just open up. Like I just opened it up to page eighty, and the question is, how do I, how do I need to be more courageous? And um, it there's there's a question for each page. I guess some pages go. I don't know if if some of the questions go beyond a single page, but. That's a question in the accountability. How do I need to be more courageous? And and that's holding yourself accountable. I like what you've done here, Jenny. I think it's a very powerful book. I think um, it's so very timely, and um, I very much applaud what you've created here. Can you? We're coming up to the top of the hour. I want you to. Uh, let us know how to get the book. Talk about your the other books you've written and the services 
and your platform that you offer? How do you work with clients? Is it over the Internet? Is it in person? Let us know all about you. Okay, sure. Thank you. Um, I'm so glad you like the book, and um, it is one question per page. So yeah, that's it's fun to be able to just open it up and pop onto something and see how it how it inspires you. Um, I am accessible through my website, which is my name Jenny Lee, and it's J E N N I E L E E Yoga Therapy. So JennyLeeYogaTherapy.com. If you hop on there, there is a place to get a free excerpt of the book so you can check it out. There's also links uh, to buy it at all major bookstores, so Amazon, Barnes & Noble, independent bookstores, and the publisher is Sounds True. Um, There, I I am available for coaching, private coaching. That's what I do uh, when I'm not writing. And there's a tab on the website as well that talks about the spiritual coaching that I that I offer. It is all being done via Zoom these days or telephone, uh, whatever is more comfortable for someone if they prefer to be on video or audio. And um, I really love hearing from people, so please reach out. Uh, if you have any questions for me, I'm the questions lady these days, and I love questions, so always <laughs> happy to field them, but... Uh, Yes, please uh, please do order a copy. It's going to be coming out just really shortly here. September 8th is the official launch date, so it will be shipping real soon. And um, all major bookstores or JennyLeeYogaTherapy.com. Well, very nice. Very well said. So what, what's your closing thoughts for our audience today? <laughs> My closing Closing thoughts. Well, I'm very grateful to have been able to be in conversation with you today, Les. You are, are a great question asker yourself. And um, and I wrote down a few of the things that you said, which I, I absolutely love. This book is like a rototiller digging up our complacency. <laughs> I really want to. I want to put that on a, a meme for social media or something. <laughs> I think that's just a fantastic quote. But um, I do hope that this book will be inspiring to people to, you know, help them also be a guide. You know, that it'll also be a guide to kind of help get them through this time of difficult and and certainly universal change that is happening. And it'll give them some. Um, a place to go to rest and to gather themselves and be able to go courageously back out into the world with, with some new, new ammunition and new, new ideas, new vision. Well, bravo. Very nice. Um, well, Jenny Lee, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight on the show. It's been a delight having this conversation with you. Thank you, Les. It's been great talking to you. Let us know when your next book's out so we can have you back on the show. Oh, will do. (laughs) Will do. We've been talking with uh, Jenny Lee, and the topic tonight has been Spark Change, 108 Questions for Spiritual Evolution. Um, Boy, howdy, is change upon us or what? It's, uh, I think... Humanity's gone through the pressure cooker, if you will. We've been pinched and prodded and poked and and 
I think some very powerful souls will be awakened at such a deep level within their persona that we're going to see perhaps even new archetypes or perhaps new definitions to old archetypes like the hero or the um, the mystic or whatnot. Um, the, the human persona is such a powerful thing. Uh, I really enjoyed Jenny Lee's book, it, uh, Spark Change. I think if you're looking for personal development within yourself and you are courageous, this book could take you um, into any kind of change you're willing to embrace for yourself. I'm your host, Les Jensen. It's always a pleasure for me to bring you episodes that help you grow your sense of self. Humanity's hungry for a more authentic truth, a more um, perhaps blunt truth. Take the sugar coat off it. Let's get real. There's there's too much um, pain and suffering going on for us to tiptoe around um, the truth of who we are, the, the truth of how powerful we are, the truth of what we could really do if we believed in ourselves. And I want to compliment you, the audience, for showing up for yourself. Here you are, here now, listening to an episode talking about bringing change into your life. I want to thank you for showing up for yourself. I'm your host, Les Jensen, as always. Such a pleasure. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.